I said this from the beginning. I am sorry. I'm going to say this again and again and again and again. The they need to strip them of this title. Okay, let's get this over with and be done with it. For the specter of history, it should read the teams that win. When you go back in history and you see all the teams that have won in the history of baseball and you get to you get to 2006, uh, 2017, it says Houston Astros, they do not deserve that same place of honor that all those other teams did who hopefully have done this the right way and not cheated, okay? Flip, I don't know if you recognize that voice at the top, but that was you. And that was February 2020, and that was fresh off the heels of the Houston Astros sign-stealing saga. Obviously, you were fired up. Has anything changed a year later? Oh, I'm, I'm still upset. I mean, no, nothing has changed. I mean, I was, yeah, I had every right to be livid. I, I, thought that, uh, I thought the commissioners should have thrown the book at them, should have stripped their title from them. I, I, I think you have to send the strongest possible message that you can. And that would have sent obviously a very strong message to take the title away from them. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. The, you know, you find a team, you know, you take away draft picks, you do whatever, but that's not, that's, that's not where it hurts to take the title away is really where it hurts. And that's where you said, you send the strongest possible message. So I, I think that uh, I think, again, I, I'm not questioning uh, the commissioner's right to do what he did. He's a, uh, it's his power. It's his say. It's his office. But honestly, I just thought that uh, he could have been uh, much harder on them than he was, and I, I think they deserved the, the hardest penalty that uh, that uh, they that the commissioner's office could have invoked. For reference, the punishment was a five million dollar fine. The Astros forfeited their first and second round draft picks in 2020 and 2021, and the GM and manager were suspended for the 2020 season. So yeah. You clearly don't think that the punishment fit the crime. I, I agree. I, I thought it was way too light. In fact, I thought it, got, it was going to be so light that the players would take it into their own hands, meaning you'd see a lot of uh, Astros hitters getting plunked by pitches or hard slides into second. And last spring training, I think you saw some of that yeah, a little bit, did. but then the pandemic came and, and now it feels like, and tell me if you think the same thing, it feels like baseball, at least the players, are ready to just move on. Uh, you mean in terms of Houston and vis-a-vis how they feel about the Astros? No, I, I don't know. Well, some obviously some will be, but I but I do think that the, the majority of players. No, I don't. I don't think. I don't know. I, I think that they put a lot of their feelings put on hold, and now they'll get a chance to. Uh, I mean, I think Houston skated. I think they skated last year. They didn't have to face the music or as much of the music as they should have faced. I think they'll face it this year for sure. And I think it's already happened. I think that, you know, Dusty Baker came out and said what he said about the, it's time to let it go. It's time to put it behind us. It's like everybody makes mistakes in life. He's right about all those things. It, 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 if it wasn't this, this what it happened, if it happened the way it happened, I think he would have been right. He, of course, it's right to say, oh, there's Jared again. Uh, Jared calls every podcast. He just calls every five times during every podcast. Uh, you know, it's okay to, to feel that, look, it's okay for people to be upset about what happened, obviously, because, you know, uh, uh, it, what happened was something that was that could you could never, you know, you can never pay credence to. You can't allow that to be. And any punishment that the, the commissioner could have could have dulled that was un, under the headline of severe is where we should have gone. But it didn't happen. And but a lot of players remember and a lot of people didn't appreciate the Astro style. You know, it wasn't just that. There were other things. It was the way the team comports itself sometimes. There's, there's an aggregate to them and a swagger to them that, you know, a lot of a lot of players don't like. Well, there's an answer to that. You don't like their swagger, then beat them. You know, go out and beat them. Okay, they'll take their swagger away from them. So, it's, again, sometimes it's, look, you, I, I don't knock the Astros for being arrogant. I don't knock them from, from swagger. I just knock them for what they did. What they did was something they shouldn't have done. 
you know, that's not the, that's not the way you win a championship. That's the way you steal a championship, but that isn't the way you win one. Of course we bring this all up. We should note because Astros are coming to town. They're coming to Yankee stadium this week. Um, it all starts Tuesday. And that leads me to two questions for you. First, do you expect to see any chippiness? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there'll be a little chippiness. I think, you know, I think, I think there's little messages that get sent for sure. I mean, will there be, will it, will it be so overt as there'll be like a riot in the middle of the field? I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, listen, you, you've got, you've got a lot of strong, a lot of really good players on both sides. You've got a lot of strong personalities on both sides. You've got, you know, in the heat of a moment, the heat of a game, anything can happen. And some things could be misconstrued. And in some cases, you know, some players will, will look for something that will, you know, uh, maybe, maybe push them um, in the direction of an argument. You know, it can happen for sure. So, I mean, I wouldn't rule anything out. And, but, but the most important thing is if you're the Yankees, you have finally, you know, you've reached that 500, you've reached that summit of 500, all right? It's not a summit. It's where you needed to be before you could, you could sort of take your season back. And I think the Yankees now are ready to take their season back. And it's fitting that it's against a team like the Astros. It just is. There's some sort of justice, poetic justice to this somehow. Again, it's three games. So the Yankees have to win two of three. They win two of three. That would be good for the Yankees. It'd be good for us. It'd be good for business. It'll be good for the game. So my second question here around the Astros to you would be, and it's a two-parter, how do you think the fans will react to the Astros at Yankee Stadium? And the second part of that. Are the Astros better off coming in May to the stadium when it's limited attendance or in September? Like, did they get away with one by coming in May? I think so. (laughs) I think having 10,000 people in a building is different than having a sellouts because they would have sold out for sure. I mean, obviously they would have sold out. So you're talking about having what? I don't know, 160,000 people over the three games, whether that's something like that, right? Yeah. around that area something like that so you look at that i mean that that's that the difference between that and thirty thousand, right so let's do the math it's five times the number so all i'm saying is yeah they got away with the fact and, and i will tell you there'll be ten thousand people which is a sellout now because of the limited seating because of COVID. but i will tell you that it will be a loud a very vocal ten thousand it's going to be loud and and then the, the astros are going to hear it for sure well that's why i bring it up because you know, we hear David Cohen on our broadcast talk yeah. about sometimes when there's fewer people in the fan in the stands, you can hear them more. Yeah, it's true. So they might be hearing some some stuff that they didn't one don't want to hear, didn't think they were going to hear. Um, but, but you know what? They don't have a say in it, uh, and in, and they brought it on themselves. Okay, the the players who are who are on the field who were there in 2017 because that's not not every player is there, right? A lot of players have gone, but there are enough. There are enough that they will hear it and they should hear it and they should never forget what they hear because you cannot, you can never do that again. Baseball cannot allow something like that to ever happen again. You can't, you just can't. It'll be interesting for sure. It all starts Tuesday, six 30 on yes, uh, streaming on the yes app. Um, but speaking of yes, I was watching this past weekend and I saw a new element. I wanted to get your, your take on it. So they showed the three outfielders and it was almost like a report card. They showed their grades and what their arms were. Um, I've heard us talk about arms in the past. For me, I hear it and sometimes I forget to be able to see it on a graphic form. I thought was great. Well, we have been for years. I mean, one one thing years ago, I talked about at at our seminars, I would always say, you know, when a game is on the line or it's a tie game late and, uh, or and the you know the lead run or winning runs at second base, 
uh, or scoring position, third base, actually second base. You, it's really important to show the outfielders and to show the, their arm strength because on a base hit, in all probability, they're going to send the runner. And if um, and you're going to, you could very well have a close play at the plate, right? And, and so it's important to note the, the arm strength of the different outfielders. Now, that's just one aspect of playing the outfield. Like there's, there's also like routes to a ball, catching a ball, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of things that go on, right? But in this particular case, because in all probability, it's going to involve a throw. Whether it's a base hit, so you got to make a throw, or a ball, ball that gets hit, a potential tag up, whether it's third base or a potential tag up. So you, you, outfield arm strength is important in a situation like that. Okay, it doesn't define an outfielder in totality, but it is one area of the game that will certainly come up uh, and be tested in a situation like that, and with the game on the line. Okay, so that that's really important to do. So we always talked about that and we would talk about during the games, but the fact that we could, you know, then show it in an element where people could see it and get a better idea. They visualize it because a lot of times you can watch a game. And if you're not in the comfort of your home, you're some, out someplace, uh, you can always, you can always hear what's going on. You can see what's going on. Maybe so you're out in a restaurant, might be in a bar, whatever at night and you're watching the game. You can, can't always hear it, be able to see the elements. Oh, this guy, he's got this, this is his strength. This is his strength. This is his strength. You hit a ball to the left. It's a, you got a little bit better chance to, Maybe get in. Right field is going to be a little bit harder. So, so you have an idea. You can gauge it that way, and that's the whole point of it: is to give people sort of an all-compass, an all-encompassing view of the of the of the particularly in this case the arm strength of an outfielder, because the arm strength is going to come into play in all probability on a hit or a fly ball. So, it it just gives people a, a sort of an idea. It's, again, it's telling them what could happen. The more from it's it's knowledge, it's data. The more data, the more knowledge that you have, the more armed you are. If you don't think about it, then the ball gets hit. And you say, wait a minute, since I throw, can he not throw? Is this the better arm? Is this the strongest arm? Is this the best situation? If we've talked about it beforehand and it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. But if we talked about beforehand and it does happen, then we've given you foresight instead of hindsight, which is important. If I could tell you what might happen, so you, you, so you prepared and you think about it as opposed to waiting for a play to happen and then tell you why it happened. Tell me what could happen. Give me foresight instead of hindsight. And this gives you foresight instead of hindsight. And separate from what you were saying, I saw it and they really looked like video game graphics to me. Um, and you, you know how I feel. I said this, I think, two weeks ago. The more we can look like a video game, uh, meaning those in graphic form, I think the healthier we're going to be because we're just going to appeal to that younger demo. And obviously, we all want to keep getting younger. Um, well, so I thought a, it was great. When you have a graphic designer like Rick Deutschman, who's probably the best graphic designer in this country in terms of he just does an incredible job. I mean, it's so engaging that you know, the colors pop. It's it's easy to read. It's it's uh, it's uh, it's like a thing of beauty. It just is. Everything he touches is, is a thing of beauty. So, again, we're a visual medium. So the audio is important. The commentary is important, but obviously we, it's video it goes with the audio, right? So you got to have the sort of the video elements. And that's certainly a video element that, uh, uh, that uh, makes a statement. And is again, a, a, a form that's that you could present in a way that people will see it and, and not always be a prisoner to the audio of a game. They can always look, look up and see that and they'll get the idea. Before we move on, let's introduce ourselves real quick. I am Kevin Sullivan from the digital media department here at Yes, alongside, as always, Sports Broadcasting Hall of Famer, Mr. John J. Filippelli. What's up, Flip? Hey, Kev, how are you? Good. Good. You are good. good. You excited? But I'm excited. I mean, the Yankees playing better, and we got Houston now coming in, and and then Washington behind them. They're both good teams. You know, they're both pretty good teams. So 
Uh, be it'd be an interesting test for the Yankees now, hitting 500, and now you've got to sustain this against you know and, ex- and exceed it against you know two pretty good teams. Well, you said the Yankees are 500. Can I pat you on the back a little bit? Right. Our last show, oh. you said, okay, they have seven games in front of them. They need to get to 500 before you could even have the conversation about where they're going to end. I think they're going to go five and two. And wouldn't you know it? They went five and two. Well, there you go. I'm like, thank you for patting me on the back, but that's just a, as a guess. I mean, I mean, they could have the way that the Yankees have been playing. They weren't playing well at all, obviously. So who knows? That wasn't a given. But, uh, uh, you know, th- listen, there's, there comes a point. The season's a long season. We talk about so many different things that have to happen for a team to, you know, find itself in October and find itself in the middle of a chase for a World Series title in October. So many things have to happen. And because things don't start well for you, you know, it uh, doesn't mean that it's going to it's not going to end well for you or vice versa. You can really get to a great start. And then, you know, this such a long season. You can sort of find your lose your way. And before you know, it, you're not in it. So the whole idea is to sort of, you know, not get off to a either. A, if you get off a great start, that's terrific. But sometimes you can't you get off to at least a decent start and hang in until you can figure out what your issues are and then get the help that you need to address them. Right. So I think the Yankee issues were. Particularly, I, I thought that the starting pitching was really terribly inconsistent. And I thought if they're going to go someplace this year, either, you know, they, they really have to find the starting pitching before they do anything else. You could talk about the hitting, like defense, or about those things, and, and, and those are real red flags too. But the fact is that the starting pitching has to find itself. Someone besides Cole and, 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 and Montgomery who actually pitched pretty well, but they needed to figure out those other spots. And now it seems like it seems like but the way Kluber pitched – you know, that gives you real reason to hope that he's finding himself now. Remember, these he and Tyone have not pitched. I mean, they didn't, they really hadn't pitched in years. So he's starting to look a month of spring training and, you know, a couple of weeks of the season is not enough to, for them to, to shake up all that rust and find the, find the, the, uh, the command that they need. You know, control, you know, you know, control is throwing strikes and command is putting the ball where you want to put it. It could be outside part of the plate. It could be, it could be you're in a, you're in a, you're in a count, a pitcher's count. Right. So now you're going to waste the pitch, hope that the hitter chases, put the ball exactly where you want to put it. That's command. Right. Well, that was Kluber strikes. with his changeup. But right. His command pinpoint. was he had pinpoint. He had great control. He also had pinpoint command. And yes. that's what he had been lacking. He didn't have the command. But now he was finding command. So those things have to happen. So the fact that that happened, I mean, it looks like it, it was a long season, like I said, but there's reason. There's reason for real optimism right there. On Sunday, Kluber threw 25 changeups. 13 for swings and misses. His previous high was seven. So he was, he was putting it wherever he wanted it. He was putting at all. And most importantly to me, he was his, his slotting, you know, coming out of his hand, it was looking like a fastball. So if you're a batter and you're sitting there, what was it? You're trying to recognize what it is. And it wasn't. So they thought it was a fastball, but oh, contraire wasn't. So, (laughs) The fact that he could choke it back and the, the difference in velocity is quite significant to the fastball and a changeup. And also in the movement, the, the, the depth that this, the change had, had good depth to it, good movement. And it would, you know, and, 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 you know, it would fall quite precipitously. So that made it an effective pitch, really effective pitch. And the fact he could put it where he wanted it made it a devastating pitch. You know, what surprised me Sunday was his 100th career win. And I don't know why. I just assumed he would have had more by now at this point. You know, that's an interesting. That's an interesting observation because if you had said to me, "Give me how many games has Corey Kluber won in his career?" I would have said far more than a hundred. 
Yeah, I don't know what I would. I probably would have gone to somewhere around one. Probably would have been a one thirty or one forty. I don't know that I would have been. You know, yeah. uh, but, I played the game in my head, and I was like, it should be one thirty-five. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I, I don't know why it isn't. I never really thought about it, or I don't know the reasons why. Uh, I do know that uh, for 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 a number of years, he was one of the dominant pitchers in the league, and he's got a couple of Cy Youngs to show for it, and deservedly so. And uh, listen, these remember we always talk about unexpected places. You know, you could go into a season and you could say, "I need we need pitching help." So you take you and, and Kluber hadn't pitched in you know, two years, right? And Tyone hadn't pitched, and given his two Tommy Johns and his battle with testicular cancer, he hadn't pitched. So the talent was is obviously there for those guys, but could they come back from the long rust? And would they be anywhere near the same coming back? And those are big questions, and no one really knew the answers. But when you, you starting pitching, if you're not if you don't develop it, Yankees have a couple of really good pitchers now in the minors that uh, will be up hopefully in short order, you know, uh, not too long in the distant future. You know that that would be you know Schmidt and that would be King and that would be Garcia and guys like that. I mean, so there's real hope with developing pitching. But if you're not developing it, you either have to trade for it, have to find some, you have to you know sign as free agent or something. You have to get it here, and that's always expensive. It hurts your farm system because you've got to usually trade big prospects to get it, good, get good pitching, and it also drains your bankroll. So there's there's a lot of reasons why you know you want to develop starting pitching if you can. It's it's everybody wants to, but the Yankees have struggled developing starting pitching. Not that they don't have they haven't developed. They've developed a few, but not that many. So you start looking at that, and so if you can't get it there, where are you going to get it? And in this case, the Yankees looked at their farm system. Says we got a couple of major prospects here, right? Bray was another prospect. Um, We've got prospects, but I don't know who who's major league ready. So they were caught betwixt and between. So they had to go out and see what was on the market and what they could do, and not wanting to trade those prospects, right, or not wanting to spend themselves in oblivion. This is what was available to them, and they looked out there and said, "This is what we'll try and do." That's what Brian Cashman's plan was, and and I'm telling you, I think it was a good plan. I really do. I think I think it's going to wind up paying big dividends. I do. I think I think those guys are the right the right guys for what we're trying to do. Speaking of Tyone, he picked up his first win in 731 days on Saturday, which, you know, you, you mentioned the testicular cancer, the two surgeries. I mean, everything he's been through, you can't help but root for this guy. Yeah, and he's a good guy, too. So, you know, listen, it's, a, it's an unbelievable human interest story. Uh, he's worked real hard to come back, real hard to come back. And he's still got a ways to go before he's back, you know, but, but he's making real, he's making progress. And uh, it's a great story and the guy's determined and uh, you know, and uh, it's a lot, it's great to see the byplay between him and him and Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole. Here's the thing with Garrett Cole. He's so good that we just don't even have to talk about him anymore. Like he's just, he threw six shutout innings. We're not even going to talk about it. And, and, and the strikeouts to walks, the strikeouts to walks is like remarkable. I mean, yeah. th- that percentage is like absurd. It's like absurd. I mean, you talk about, you talk about, you talk about control and command. You talk about control. I mean, my Lord, is that amazing? Okay. I just looked it up. Yeah. Uh, six innings pitched, obviously no runs, yeah. 12 strikeouts, no walks. He hasn't walked anybody since April 12th and he walked one person. April 12th. Who do you walk? Uh, how am I supposed to know? Okay, it was uh, Vladimir Guerrero. I'm guessing. I don't know. He made that. Imagine up. if well, it was. I'm going to walk. All right, fine. I'm going to click on it. Let's see if it was. It's amazing. Oh, just having fun. Now, yeah. Now I need to know who he walked. Um, 
it looks like Bob either Bobachet or Guriel. Anyway. Anyway, so but um, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, the fact that we could actually play with that with something like that and almost make it a trivia question: Who is the walk? Is <laughs> if you know that's it for the year, right? It's, it's three really walks remarkable. all season. Yeah. Uh, Herman. Speaking of a trivia. Yeah. Who are the three people he walked in 2021? That's good trivia. <laughs> That's a great one. That's a great one. Uh, hey, we did a call to action last time and we got some uh, emailers. Okay. You want to hear some? Sure. Yeah. They all liked the, uh, remember we talked about who's the one player you wish you saw play who wasn't yes. plagued by injury. That was right. the one. Um, yeah. And they emailed curtaincalyes at gmail.com. All right. Rich Fine says, um, great conversation. How come you didn't bring up Justin Morneau? He must be a Twins fan. I don't. How come we didn't bring up Justin Morneau? Well, he had a, he certainly, well, he could show Joe Maurer for that matter, too. Yeah. He's going to bring Morneau. He should have brought Maurer. I mean, they were both really, really good, solid players who would have had better careers had they not been hurt. Certainly Maurer. Maurer was really, Maurer had like a potential Hall of Fame written about him uh, early on. Uh, Morneau's a solid player, good player. They would have had better careers if they had stayed healthy. He's true, but I don't, I don't consider that the same lament as a Mickey Mantle or a Sandy Koufax. I mean, those, though they would have been off the charts. They were already all-time greats. Can you imagine what they'd been if they had health? They'd been blessed with health. Would have been you have to outlaw them. That's how good they were. <laughs> yeah, totally I always say them. that Mickey Mantle may very well have been the best ever. I mean, it's hard to say with Babe Ruth because he's so amazing. Yeah, but. Mickey Mantle would have been amazing. Nick DiSabella writes in, hey, guys, one glaring omission. How come you didn't bring up Dustin Pedroia, which is a great point, I think. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He would have had a better career. There's a lot of players who would have had better careers had they not been hurt. But the the, the shame of it is, well, that's interesting. No, I, I would not say I would I would say that that's has some merit to it for sure. I just don't put it in the same. Again, it's not in the same <clears throat> the same category as a Mickey Mantle or Sandy Koufax, because they were so unbelievably great, even with all the injuries. I mean, we talked about Koufax being so dominant for that, for that five or six years, this five or six years of his career, so incredibly dominant, and, and, and rightfully so, but, but he, he had to leave the game at age 30. Age 30, not age 35 or 36 or 37, 30. When you're, 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 you're just about in your, in your prime. If you're a pitcher at 30, you're in your prime. So his prime years, he never got to see. Mickey Mantle, same thing, <clears throat> always hurt. Right. And still put up the numbers he put up. So, yeah, this is it's an interesting question with a lot of interesting answers. But Joya certainly is, deserves consideration, deserves merit. It's an interesting argument, for sure. Because otherwise, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Otherwise, I think he's in the Hall of Fame. You're talking about Pedroia? Yeah. I think he had a shot at the Hall of Fame. It's true. If he had played a little longer, had a little bit more impactful years, some of them. Because he had a couple of impactful years, for sure. Won MVP, did he one year? Did Pedroia win the MVP? Yeah, he did. He won Rookie yeah. of the Year, and then the next year he won... MVP. Let me see if I could find what years. Yeah, 2007. He was rookie of the year. MVP in 2008. So I mean, yeah, that's it's a pretty great start, yes, maybe. But then again, the injuries took its toll on him. But but really, but a, still in all, got a couple of rings. Very significant player and uh, one of the more interesting players in Red Sox history. So here's an email yep. from Stephen Taylor, who I could only imagine this is meant for you and not me. Okay. Um, what were your impressions of Cy Young? I don't know where that came from. Oh, my questions of Cy Young. Yeah, that's what it, yeah. 
Steven Taylor. I mean, I, I knew what I mean. I knew Cy Young the way I know Brigham Young. I mean, what what went <laughs> over Cy Young? I mean, he won. I mean, what? I I never. I mean, he won 511 games. It's been he pitched a lot. I mean, I can tell you that he pitched uh, probably every day. Uh, at 511, there's a record that'll never be broken. There's a record you'll last the, the all time. You know that one's never going to get broken. Uh, I don't know what my president. He was a pretty great pitcher, I would imagine. I don't don't even know what he threw, but I imagine whatever he threw, he threw efficiently and effectively because he won 511 games. I wonder if he's saying, young. Have you? I think he thinks you saw him play. Yeah, of course I did. You know, that's what happens. But you know, it's, I had a recently celebrated a birthday, so that's how to be. I could see the tie-in right there. There's a logical tie-in. Good job there, Stephen. Uh, so one record, I think. Yeah. Cal Ripken, that'll never. Oh, young, <laughs> really? Seriously? Okay. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm just reading the email. Okay. Right, Cal Ripken, will never get broken because the, the people just don't play. It's that hard. Yeah, no, no. You mean you imagine I play those games? No, no. I, I think that's that was a. I mean that that's that's a testament to, to fortitude and then and, and a work ethic beyond beyond and, and being lucky too. You know, they didn't have any injuries that were totally debilitating to you. In fact, you couldn't get on the field. Because in the course of a career that long, everybody's going to have an injury somewhere that has, they have to sit probably for some kind of pro, especially as they get older, some kind of prolonged period of time. So the fact that he never really had to face that was very fortunate for him. But I mean, that they, I also think there was a time when a little bit, a little bit, that the, the team was a prisoner to that streak because, yes. you know, he was going to play because of the streak. So even when at times when they, he, they should have sat him, or he should have sat, and it would have been great for him to get a day or two off, you know, because there were times when he, his presence on the field really, really mattered to them. They were in the middle of races and stuff, and they were, they were sort of, they still, they worried more about the streak than they did sometimes about, I, I, I think some other things that sometimes take not pre- take precedent of a personal achievement. Now, again, not to mitigate what he did, but he he did something that's incredible. That's a that's an iron. It's called an Ironman streak for a reason. But having said that, still and all, um, there were times when I think that uh, he would have benefited. So would the team from a little bit of rest and not so much the worrying about the streak. So we talked about the Yankees pitching, um, credited them for some of this, this hot play of late, but that's not all the hitting has come around too, which we should talk about. Um, I know you, you like to talk about judge. I think Stanton's looked amazing. Nine game hitting streak over that nine games. He's batting four thirty six. Four thirty six. I mean, and his exit velocity is something to marvel at. I mean, he he hits the hardest balls of the of this generation. He's hitting so even when he's making when he's not getting on and he's and he's hitting it to outs, but he's 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 destroying the ball, which he's he's right on top of it. He said, "Listen, exit velocity is important because the you know because of some of the injuries and some of the some of the play before you know you, the exit velocity." You'd say, well, "What does that mean? Well, how fast can we get somebody out of town?" Okay, but 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 <laughs> because he he had done some struggle, a lot of it was injury. You know, it's that lack of talent. You know, but a lot of it was injury and not being able to sort of stay on the field for a little bit. But right now, he's showing that if he stays on the field, he's he's a, he's a great talent and he's really helping the Aggies. And you know, their offense needs him. It needs them to be as most effective. You need you need Stanton and Judge in the middle of that to be to be the facilitators of of, of those uh, driving in those runs. Speaking of Judge, he went 0 for 3 on Sunday, but heading into Sunday, his previous five games, batting 471, three home runs, 10 RBIs, 1.118 slugging. He's hot. When he gets hot, he's he's really he's impossible to get out, and he could carry a team for a really long time. That's the thing about a player like Judge. When he gets hot, he will, again, carry a team. 
and uh, and then because then everybody feeds off around him, and the pressure is I don't want to say off the people around him, but when he gets going, because he, he is so hard to get out once he's once he finds his groove, and and it happens with a, a lot of players can be streaky sometimes. He can be streaky sometimes, but I will tell you when he when he finds himself, which is most a lot, most of the time, he could do a lot of damage, a lot, and he could sustain it and and really carry a team on his shoulders. So that's that's the beauty of what he was doing. Another bat that I think you have to be impressed with is Kyle Higashioka. He doubled in the first run on Sunday. Um, and for me, it's an interesting question. Gary Sanchez, obviously, we know, lost his full-time job. You know, they're splitting time a little bit more. Did he lose that job, though, or did Kyle Higashioka win it? And there is a difference. Well, there's, that's interesting because... Listen, we just we're just addressing the offense here. You're not even talking about the defense to the other side of the ball, right? So the the defense. So as a catcher, uh, right now Hugashioka was 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 outplaying Sanchez behind the plate. He's you know he's been the better catcher, and and I think the pitchers have a little bit more confidence sometimes throwing to Hugashioka because he get the ball down in the dirt. You want to bury a slide, you want to do whatever he can. He'll go down there and he'll get it. Whereas sometimes Gary Sanchez had problems with those balls. So the, I think the confidence factor of the pitchers in, in him was, was more in Agashioka right now uh, than it, than, than it was in Sanchez. And the fact that Sanchez was struggling also at, at the plate and, and Agashioka, you know, if you, if you get, look, his defense has been strong. So if you get any offense from him, it's a big, other than like, he walks into a couple of home runs here and there, but the reality is he's now doing better, doing better than walking into pitches. He's not so much walking into, he's hitting, he's actually hitting. So he's not only has the power uh, when he hits it, it goes a long way, but he's, he's hitting it ball more consistent. His attack approach is more consistent. So he's finding, he's finding ways to hit balls and get hits where he hadn't before as much for about for average. So he's hitting and he's feel so right now he's just right now he's in a better streak and he's in a better mode. So if you're Boone, you have to sort of go that way. Now, it doesn't mean that a player like Sanchez, you, you can't give up a guy like Gary Sanchez. I mean, look at the first two years of his career. Look what he showed he could do. I mean, if anything, you, sometimes you, you start off slowly and you build in a career. Usually you don't start off really hot and then for some reason lose it for a while and then, and then hope that you gain it back. So that's kind of a strange road. But but I must tell you that uh, you know if Gary could find himself, I mean, he's got so much talent, he, especially offensively, if he could find himself. So, you know, listen, you put up with a lot of things defensively if you're hitting the tar out of the ball and you're scoring runs but the but the team wasn't hitting the tar out of the ball it certainly sanchez wasn't and they weren't scoring runs so they had to do something to sort of shake the tree that was the thing that made the most sense if you're going to shake the tree i think you're shaking the, the direction of kyle Higashioka. seven of kyle Higashioka's last nine hits or all of his nine hits this season extra bases three doubles and four home runs um what does sanchez do if anything to get some more playing time back hit the ball when he gets a chance to play, obviously he's got to, he's got to, he can't strike out as much as he's been striking out. I mean, he's got to, think, you know, that's the thing that's alarming with a lot of these places. They're not making contact. If you make contact, a lot of times, even if you hit it at somebody, something's going to happen. It's going to be positive if you make contact. Okay. Yeah. You get into a double play. There are times when it isn't, but for the most part, making contact is much more important than not making contact. You want to hit, the whole idea is to hit the ball, right? So the fact that the, 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 the more of the consistent contact was coming from Agashioka, 
You know, there's a lot of reasons why, you know, Boone had to consider, Aaron Boone had to consider doing what he was doing and he's doing it. doesn't mean that if you're Gary Sanchez, you give up if you're a fan of Gary Sanchez, because listen, you're still going to hear from Gary Sanchez. He's got way too much talent. It's way too long a season. We keep going back to this folks. It's remember I used to say, stay on the field, stay on the field. Well, part two of this is it's a long, long, long season. It just is. And, you know, because you start one way doesn't mean you're going to finish that way. You could start off slowly and it doesn't mean that you like Yankees case start off slowly a little bit. But you still got so many, so far to go. Now the Yankees seem like they're they're finding their way, and that's that's what they need to do. They need just to find that groove. And same thing with a player, whether you're a hitter or a pitcher, you got to find that groove. You got to hope that it's early rather than later, and you could just build off it. Each start gets better. Each each game at the at the plate, the approach gets more solidified. The stance feels more comfortable. You're seeing the ball as well as you need to see it. Those things, if they don't come off immediately, will usually come in time. But you don't want to waste waste a lot of time because what that does is affect your confidence. Then, if you're not having success, you mentioned bats are missing balls, and that's not exclusive to Gary Sanchez. That's ex- that's across the league. I'll put quotes around problem. It's a league wide problem. I don't think it's a problem. Striking out, but they're they're no, well, yeah, striking out. Here's the problem. Again, quotes problem. The pitchers are just getting so much better. They have their labs that they're working on. They get all this real time data and they get to adjust right then and there. Hitters don't have that, so the pitchers are getting that much better. Well, yes, I mean the pitching is getting better. I mean, but. Look, it's this, but also good pitching dominates hitting. Even if it's hitting is good hitting. If you have good pitching, it dominates good hitting. You have great pitching, it dominates great hitting. Pitching will always trump hitting all the time, every single time. If you, if it's, you know, if you've got good pitching, it, it, it will carry you. It will, it will take the, it demoralizes and diminishes the other team when, when you're facing a pitcher that they know they can't hit and who has their number. And that's why that's why I got why call is so invaluable because not only does he win for you, but he also stops you from going into long slumps where you're, you know, where long losing streaks because he's going to be out there to, to make sure that you don't. That's his, That's a lot of his value is not only winning when you need to game one, but also like stopping long streaks of losing. Every team goes through losing streaks. So you got to have a stopper. He's also a stopper in that, in that direction. That way. Did you read the thing about potentially moving the mound back? I don't know what it was, six inches, eight inches. You know, you know, you know was upset about that. Cy Young was upset about that when he heard about that. I, you know, Cy, I got to know from Cy Young the other day. He said, you know, Flip, I got to tell you something. I am really just upset. I heard that moving the mound back. Will that alter my records? The 511 games that I won, will that take, take, mitigate from that? Because if you have to go further back, what does that mean? I said, listen, Cy, I saw you pitch a lot of years. So I, it's hard for me to judge that, to come up with some kind of cogent judgment that will make some kind of sense in a situation like that. But, uh, but I got to tell you, if, if Cy wrote me that letter, then he would know. <laughs> this is actually, you got to stay with me here because this is yes. actually leading to what we were just talking about. Yes, which is. But if you were commissioner for one day. Oh, boy. And you can make one change. Yeah. What would that change be? Wow, what would it be? Now, this is a number of things you could you could do or change. Uh, um, I tell you what, I would like to see again, again, and I, I don't think this is a political hot potato. I, I just like I like the idea of uh, reorganizing the game along geographic lines. I like the idea of putting the Yankees in the same division with the Yankees, Yankees and Mets stay together right there. They're in the same division. So you get the Yankees, the Mets, the Red Sox, the Phillies, the Nationals, put them, put them in the East, right? The American League East. The O's, yeah. Uh, yeah, the O's, right? I mean, so 
you know, I don't know if you take Atlanta, well, Atlanta, well, see, if you took Atlanta, well, you'd have to do, because you also got the two Florida teams, right? So, I mean, you'd have to figure this out. So, you'd have, but anyway, what it would do is it would create, so if you go to play in your division, it would make more of these series much more interesting to me because of the quality of the, of the you know, the, when you, when you, when you consolidating like that, the, the quality of the teams, the games, quality of the games would probably grow up exponentially because you're playing more quality teams. You're playing teams that are, these are all good teams. I mean, if the Yankees are in our schedule, all of a sudden have to face, they, they play the Mets anyway as a national rival, as a, as a natural rival, but all of a sudden have to play Washington, play Philadelphia. And I don't know if Atlanta's in that division or not, but say they were in there. I mean, all of a sudden this becomes a whole different, interesting division, right? And a quality division too. So most of the games you play against your, your opponents, I mean, so that would increase. So you don't play as many games. So you know, maybe uh, you know, about the other divisions, like you just stagger it. Like next year, you, one year you play against the Central, next year you play against the American West, and et cetera. And every once in a while you throw the National League in there um you but you do that on a rotating staggered like basis right with most of your games though are played with their teams in your division it eliminates a lot of the travel players will be as exhausted because the travel will be far less it's a long season it becomes a little more uh more bearable for a player if he doesn't have all that travel they don't have all that travel on them so I, I like that idea and if you're a fan i mean the idea you go on a road trip and you can see almost you can see almost every team that uh, you play that your team plays you get a card go on a road trip if you oh, if that's you cool to. Right. Yeah. Get the guys together. Sure. You know, let's go it. take the weekend this in three cities or whatever they are. Let's go see the, the all three games because they're all relatively close by. The whole division would be close for the most part, I, I would think. Oh, now I'm sold because I'm envisioning getting in the car with the guys and just having a blast for right. a week. Well, there's other, like, there's other things you could do, right? If you want to change the game, there's all, you know, all kinds of rules that you could put in or not put in or, you know, get creative and try different things. But I, I like the idea of a, of a balanced schedule, but, but that schedule is within teams that are very close by geographically there. That's good. All, all rivals. I'm naturally built up rivalries quicker too. Yankees don't have a rivalry with the, with the nationals, but you could get one in a hurry. Yeah. You don't have one with the Phillies, but you can get one in a hurry, especially now Joe Girardi's the manager there, right? So you could build that rivalry, which is not existing now because they don't play each other. But if they're in the same division and they saw each other more games, and you know, you could build rivalries and the, and the more rivalries because the game is a lot of the quality of the plays. As we play a rival, a real rival, the quality of games go up. Like the Yankees and Houston are rivals. They may not be in the same division, they're not in the same division, but but they're, they're rivals because of what happened and the whole the whole sort of bad blood scenario that exists between the two of them. I would for sure. I mean, now Reggie Jackson went over and he's a he's a you know he's going to be in the in the Astro organization and that's interesting too, right? So that just fuels the the rivalry if you want to call it that. Is it a full blown rivalry? Well, it may not be like, like the way the Yankees Red Sox is a rivalry, but trust me, there's there's some there's some bitterness there, and uh, I mean now Reggie it sort of adds a little bit more fuel, I would think. So listen. Quite a bit. But 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 that's the interest of the game. You want rivalries. I mean, if I'm a fan, you know, I love the fact that there's rivalries. I mean, it makes every game that much each series, every game, every series that much more interesting because of rivalries. So since you asked, Commissioner Kevin Sullivan would do, um, and it's not my idea. I first heard it from Jeff Passan, who said it wasn't his idea. He heard it from somewhere else. Cy Young. <laughs> so it's a pitching told. related it's a pitching related because i uh-huh. think pitching is too dominant uh and i think the pitchers have too much of an advantage yeah. these days uh-huh. so what i would do is limit the number of pitchers you could have on a roster to 10 now what that does is it gives emphasis to the starting pitchers so nowadays when there's a pitcher's duel like we got lucky right colfer's bieber was awesome but there's a good chance there's a pitcher's duel out in the nl west or whatever 
and the pitchers are pulled in the fifth or sixth inning. So make them pitch their 120 pitches. You're going to get more batted balls. You're going to get more offense because these guys are going to get tired. It's just going to be a more fun game. And then you take those four or three position spots and put them on the bench. Those roster spots that you free up. Imagine a guy with wheels who is strictly a pinch runner in the seventh or eighth inning. Now you got action on the base paths. It's just a more fun game, I think. Uh, that's if all those things happened. And, and again, it's not that it's a terrible idea. I wouldn't say it's a terrible idea. I would say that it's an idea that given the, how, how expensive starting pitching is, because it's expensive, right? We talked about teams having to develop it because it's so hard to go outside as free agents because it's so expensive. Um, it's really hard to get, to acquire it. You have to almost develop it for it to become affordable. There's so much money put into those situations. There is um, so much of an investment that uh, such a deep investment that these teams make that you know, to put a player, do you, are you now the other side is do you, are you putting a starting pitcher? Do you put him at risk if you pitch him more innings? If you let him go more instead of 100 pitches, you put him on 120 pitches when they're used to throwing maybe 100 tops. And I've been used to that, that sort of that. That's where their body's been geared for now a number of years because that the pitch counts have been in existence for a while now. So do you all of a sudden take that, throw that out the window and say, you know, not everybody's Garrett Cole. And if you, and, and by the way, if you if you're the Yankees and you put all the big investment in Garrett Cole, the Yankees really need Garrett Cole. But the Yankees to win a World Series, they're going to need Garrett Cole. And so it's a big investment there. Do you do you? I'm not saying this would be the case. I'm saying though, I could see where if I'm if I'm in management, I own a team, whatever, I would have pause because I have so much sunk into this that the idea of putting up, making a, a elongating the the time that a starting pitcher puts is out there, not for everybody. I mean, it, it, you can hasten a lot of injuries if you're not used to it. If that's not the way they're conditioned, you can hasten a lot of injuries. So I would be careful about that, although I don't think it's a terrible idea. I like the romance of it. The romance of it certainly works for me. But practicality of it, I'm a little bit a little more circumspect about it. That's all. Makes sense. And you'd have to ease into it. You can't do it oh, uh, yeah, one for sure. year after. Yeah. Stretch guys out and more. Remember, he was talking about stretching a guy out. We talk about getting Kitty Kluber and Tyone past the fifth inning, right? And then we're talking about, well, let's, say, let's see if we go seven or eight. You know, it's a, that would be great. Except that how practical is it? And then if somebody were to get hurt? Yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting idea, though, Kevin. I mean, I will say this, Kevin. I, I like the idea. I like the romance of it. I wish that it was, if it was as simple as here. You take the ball and go seven or eight innings. Then you get these pitching duels. I mean, I mean, guys used to routine. I mean, I I saw what did I I saw what is Koufax and Warren Spahn. Was it Koufax? Was it Marichal Spahn? Or was, it, was there was a famous one when I was growing up? I can't remember what it is now. Same. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with like Warren Spahn and and uh, and Marichal. Okay, but it went like you know like four, 14, 15 innings, and uh, they were still in there, you know, having it out. So, I mean, the fact that you could stay all those, I mean, with the pitch count, they even have pitch counts there. You imagine what the pitch count would have been. It's something like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, Tom Seaver and, um, you know, and uh, who was a late great Tom Seaver was a very good friend of mine. And he was telling me stories about, you know, being on, they, they, there was no pitch counts. He just threw and he kept throwing until the game was over. It's the way it worked. And uh, David Cohn talked about the 140, 140 pitches and change he threw that night in Seattle, you know, game five. Uh, the play of the game yeah. that uh, put the Yankees sent the Yankees home in '95, and I say baseball in Seattle that 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 series of great great games, great games. But but I mean, David threw like what 100, over 140 pitches that night. 
right? And he said yeah. he was feeling it for 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 a really long time. It may have hastened, brought about his his aneurysm. He said could have been brought yeah. on that. So some say that, yeah, yeah, right. So he he said it himself. So listen, there's a lot to be. The body is a fine, finely tuned instrument. Speaking on that level with professional athletes, it's finely tuned. Not like my body, which is not finely tuned at all. Mine is like a, a tuba. It's a, <laughs> a tuba or a, like one of those like those, those heavy bass things that uh, they play in a symphony. What do they call those heavy bass instruments? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. What, what do what they call that? Like, the, the heavy, heavy bass, bass things. Yeah. They call it a bass thing? That's the name of it? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, whatever that is. Thing those things, the, right. But yeah. those are not finely tuned. I guess they would be. They have to be to play in an orchestra. But I'm just saying that you know, my, body is not a, my body is not a finely tuned machine like there's this. Yeah, so he should have noticed it. Speaking of the commissioner, yeah. did you see I read this morning? He's valuing a expansion team, an MLB expansion team, if the buy-in, if you want to buy in at two point yeah. two billion dollars. That seems high to me. That seems high to me too. <laughs> That's a lot of money. <laughs> That's a lot Keep of money. Uh, wow. Well, uh, again, listen, it's not a lot of money if you can get it, right? So you can always ask for what you can ask for. And if you get it, you get it. But if you don't, then you have to sort of re, 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 reevaluate your uh, your asking price. But I, I don't think baseball can expand until it fixes its two. It's got two issues with two teams, Tampa Bay and Oakland. They need new stadiums. They've needed them for a really long time. And they've got to kind of address those situations before they look to expand, I would think, because you want them on more solid footing. I mean, those teams have really hung in actually heroically. Both teams, both organizations are good and have been, you know, had really good management and 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 then they've had good success on the field, you know. But but uh, you know, they they um, they really need the the new stadium so they can get people to go to the ballparks and they need the revenue streams that new ballparks can give them and uh, for them to compete on a more effective level level. So you don't want to be expanding until you fix those two those two situations. I would think. I think so. The article, I believe, was from Sportico, and they said that the $2.2 billion came from, that's the average value of yeah. MLB team. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, by the way, the Yankees are propping that up at close to $7 million, so that's not fair. $7 billion. $7 billion, I'm sorry, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's no more average markets out there, really. Like You're going to end up in a lower market, so you're not going to be worth $2.2 billion. Like What market could you go to? There's a handful. Well, there's, there's a couple of good markets that are left, but they're not, you know, they're in terms of population that they're not, you know, they're not in the top 20. Right. So if you're talking about like Vegas, or you're talking about Charlotte, like Charlotte would be a market, I would think Vegas. Yeah. Vegas uh, and Charlotte. That's what I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, but I, I don't, but they're certainly not in terms of population. So population gives you the advantage of a, a being able to draw, although you could ser- easily sell out in Vegas or Charlotte, I'm sure, but it's not just, it's also the TV market. You know, because a lot of money, local money, you could drive. You have a lot of people. Look, New York is a huge, obviously the biggest television market. New York, Chicago, L.A., and therefore they get the most money for the packages because because of the size of the markets. The markets are smaller, right? In places like like Vegas and Charlotte would have smaller markets, so they can't command the same local television money. So, so, but having said that, they could still be very successful. And depending on how committed the on how deep pocketed the owners were of these new, and they've got new stadiums and situations like that. You know, they could probably make a go of it for sure. But baseball can't do that until they fix the, the problems they have in Oakland and Tampa. You think they could uh, work in Montreal again? Well, it's a different situation in Montreal now than it was back then when, when baseball left Montreal to go to Washington. 
different situation now, but still in all, you know, I, I, they'd have to show it to me. I mean, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it was a stalking horse as much as it was anything else. I think it was used as a stalking horse. What's that mean? Yep. Well, it was used as a, like a, a, uh, when I say a stalking horse, it's, it's meant as a, uh, what's, how do I describe a stalking horse? It's, it's sort of there to, it's like, you know, it's like, you, it's like you have a girlfriend and you really like your girlfriend, but you know, you're not paying as much attention to as you should. Then another, you see another girl and you go, Oh, you start paying attention to this other girl. Then wait a minute. What about the girl that uh, wasn't paying attention to me? What about her? A false pretext concealing someone's real intentions. According to Google, that's the yeah. short answer of yeah. what I was trying to say. The, 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 the you brought in girlfriends, like, into, like Dear Abby. They're talking about <laughs> romance and things, and so I should not have gone down that road. It was I was kind of stuck for a, a an immediate explanation, is but but I know it's something that you use to, to sort of prop up another situation. Okay. Does that make sense? No, it does. We should bring in Ken Singleton it, to talk about Montreal one of these days. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. I did games in Montreal when in my NBC years, uh, when literally there really and there wasn't toward the tail end, and there weren't anybody in the stands. And and in those days, people would have cell phones, but they'd be those giant phones, those like oh yeah, those ridiculously big phones with those huge aerials. It's, it's like in the movie Wall Street. You ever see the movie Wall Street? Michael oh, Douglas, one of my favorites. On that beach, and he's got that tremendous phone, and it's like Gordon Gecko. Like, yeah. Oh, that's right. He's but he's got that ridiculously big phone. It's like so people would have like phones like that, and there'd be nobody in the stands, literally, and you'd hear people say, "What time's dinner? What did you get? What did you order?" <laughs> no, I don't like that. Yeah. No, tell tell Bob and Sally. We'll see them later. I can't make it. Hey. You literally hear the conversation echoing and it always great. You know, it's like, uh, you know, if I was a player, I'd say, no, nah, no, nah, you guys could make it. We'll be out of here another hour. You know, <laughs> I'd yell that back. <laughs> really? Before we bring on Ken Singleton, though, I think we have news of a guest next week, right? Yes. Yeah. I got the yes. confirmation. I, well, we, I'm sure we could get it confirmed, but uh, we have, we pull all the right strings. I think we get this done. We're going to Bob Lorenz. We haven't had Bob on the show. Bob has been a staple, yes, from the beginning. Uh, he's one of the best studio uh, talents in the business and, and, and beyond that, actually, because he hosts so many other shows. And he's kind of the glue. <laughs> Look at all the shows that Bob has done and all the, the various skill sets that he brings to Yes. Uh, he's one of the most talented and varied people in our business. And uh, he's, uh, he's got a lot to say. And he's very funny, too. So he's, he'd be a good guest for us. And uh, I'm excited to have Bob on our show. We'll talk a little baseball, we'll talk the Nets, talk a little basketball. We don't talk about the basketball. It's the Nets are headed for a big way to the playoffs. So that's going to be exciting to see what kind of run they have. So we'll be able to talk a little bit about that. I know we, we do more principal Yankees here, but we can, we can morph a little bit to some other things. Yeah, and a little Bob bit. He's is, doing a lot. Bob's a good guest. Good guest. Well, oh, fun Bob's Bob. the best. I'm yes, looking forward is. to that. So what do you say? Should we land this thing or should we probably tell people to rate, review, subscribe first? We have to tell them. Did we forget to tell them that again? Rate, review, subscribe? I think we well, slipped our I, minds. I think they know, but it doesn't hurt. To yeah, but you see, you can't take that for granted. It's like promotion. Promotion is your lifeblood. If you want you if you want to get word out, you have to promote. It's like uh, we can also tell me about the app. You know, the app is doing really well. It really is, and I tell you what, it's really needed because we have yes one, yes two. We've got so many so many events that are on simultaneously now. It's nice to be able to have that the option available to you that you can watch. You know, you want to watch the Yankees, you watch the Nets. It's available one place. It's easy to get, easy to navigate, and. Uh, and it's been, it's been so successful for us, so, so successful. It's great to have something like that in your back pocket or your front pocket or whatever pocket you want to put in. It's to your awesome point thing. about promoting, 
Right? Yes, like, you got to get the word out. You got to make sure people understand what it means and why it's beneficial for them. And it, the Yes app is just great. So that's nice to have. How we get on the Yes app? I brought us there. Why did I go there? I have no idea. Why did I go there? About promotion, and we are obviously promotion. promoting the Yes app as we should. Yes. And our team partners are helping us too. So it just goes to show the power of the teams that we're partners with. You know, and and, and you did a really nice job, and Matt Duarte did a really nice job. Our people have worked so hard on that. You know, Jason Finique was involved in that, right? We've had other people involved in the app. Thank you. So appreciate it. All their hard work uh, should not be, uh, we should uh, recognize that. And, and you don't get enough credit. Certainly you don't get it from me. So oh, I, I need to that. give you some, maybe you know that. I mean, I'm a bad guy. I mean, first I didn't know, I, didn't, I pitched with Cy Young. I have enough problems with my age. I need to know why people compare me to, they played with Cy Young. Well, okay, thanks. But uh, I'm only having fun with that. I didn't really pitch it, so I know nothing about that. I, uh, Christy Matheson, I knew Christy. I didn't know Cy Young, though, but I knew Christy Matheson. That adds up. Yeah, of course it does. But yeah. carry the one. 12 and 12 is 180. <laughs> there you go. Um, so speaking of the yes. app, yes, I have an app meeting in three minutes. Do you? Should probably land this thing. And, and Okay, so do you want to go to that meeting, or could you be a little late, or is it... Uh, is it uh, or is it one of those things that starts on time well, and you, there's no deviation and you know, you're well, sent to your room without supper if, you, if you're like a minute late? If you have something else you want to talk about, I could say I'll be a little late. Well, I'm sort of just talking about this situation here with, with uh, your app developer. Because I'll tell you what, you know, I tell you, now you don't develop apps, you do a lot of sit-ups. <laughs> that, that, that's how you develop. Oh, I'm sure, no. Did you know no, that's I'm, a bad I'm, joke. Uh, yeah, all right. I don't want you to be late for your meeting. I know. I don't want you. To be late. Is there any other kind, by the way? Okay. I don't want you to be late for. I don't want to be late for your meeting. That's important. So, so all right. So, Houston series, great. Catch those games on. Yes, you don't want to miss those games. I'll tell you what. They're going to be. They're going to be really exciting games. I think it'll be well played. But I think it'll be. Um, there'll be. Uh, there'll be some tension in the air for those for sure. And the fans are going to get into it. People at home are going to get into it. I think our ratings will go through the roof. I think it'll be exciting to watch and. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to these games. So I think it'd be exciting. So then Washington behind them, be an interesting week for the Yankees and uh, especially with everybody playing better now. And the rest of the, I think in a better state right now, that's good. And uh, so we'll see where that takes us. And uh, the words of our good friend, Ashley Fugazi, it's time to land the plane. So we'll land the plane. We'll see you soon. And next time we will have Bob Lorenz with us. You don't want to miss Bob. So on behalf of my good pal, Kevin Sullivan, this is Flip, but I say thank you so much and I will see you. We will talk to you soon. Thank you.